0: Special guest with us, Doyle Dykes. He is amazing, and you're going to see why. Let's pray and we'll get started. Heavenly Father, we love you. Thank you for a safe, comfortable place that we can worship you in, Lord. Thank you, God, for, for everything that you're doing here. Please fill this place, Holy Spirit. Thank you for bringing Doyle, Lord, and the talents and gifts you've given him, Lord. We just, uh, we love you, God, and we praise you. In Jesus' name, we all agreed by saying, Amen. Please welcome Doyle Dykes.
1: it's good to be with you again. I uh, wrote a song a few years ago to
0: honor a guitar company that made Guitars Guild Guitar Company. And I I recorded this up and out here actually in L.A. and we went out to lunch and uh, (laughs) I got a phone call. They said, "Did you hear about what happened to the? It's a shame what happened to the factory." And big, big business took over, and they uh, they uh, they sold the company and fired everybody. And, and the, the very day I was recording a song for them
1: called New Hartford, it was in New Hartford, Connecticut. But you know, sometimes we don't understand everything in life, but God's in control. And. God bless y'all. Have a good week, Lord. Golly gee, I can't find anything. This was like the Disneyland of Excuse all churches. Me,
0: sir? Are you lost?
1: Uh, yeah, do you know where the um, children's ministry is? Yeah, if you look up there. Oh, it's left. Mm-hmm. Well, do you know where the elevator is? Again, look up there. Oh, left. Well, what about the music room? I tried You know to... what? Let me just show you. Okay. We take a left. Oh, that's left. The elevator. Oh, elevator. Children's ministry up these stairs over here. Oh. Again. Left. The music room. Oh, so everything is just left. Wow. Thank you. You You've opened my eyes. Like, really, everything is to the left. Well, let's go to the cafe.
0: Wait, where is that? On the right. Pecky Fun Facts. You know that we here haven't ended in the men's restroom. Why? Why not? Ka-chow. Wow, I wish I could go to winter camp. March 8th through the 10th. I can't, because I'm too old. I wish I was a kid again. <coughs>
1: I'm I can go to winter camp. shaped the gospel of Jesus Christ
0: appreciate the love that you have for us we appreciate how it's poured upon us daily lord we thank you that you love us what a gift that is that you cherish us that you pursue us god and tonight be with pastor rick fill him with your
1: word with your love with your mercy god as he pours out upon our hearts lord through your word tonight may you speak through him mightily we pray we thank you for this time that we can gather with other family members in the body of Christ, Lord, and be encouraged, be strengthened, and be sent out of here
0: different than we came in, God. So have your way we pray in your name. Amen. Rob, amazing worship. Thanks for putting everything together. You know, this guy, he's put together this amazing worship band of our skilled musicians, all our young skilled musicians. Robert, thank you so much, you guys. That was amazing worship. It's been really awesome uh, working with our music director, Robert. He's, he's a great guy. I'm so thankful for all the gifts and talents and abilities we have through in, in music around here. Well, happy Sunday. How are you guys? Good. Now that I get to sleep in a little bit tomorrow morning, for most, I don't know, some, well, enjoy that President's Day as we think about our nation's leaders We, um, on Sunday nights, we're in the letter of 1 Thessalonians, and we're actually going to wrap 1 Thessalonians up tonight, next week we'll start second, but tonight in your Bibles would you turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and we're going to start at verse 12, verse 12. If you're just joining us, we go book by book, in this case we're in a letter, and we go all the way through it, talking about each verse. So, welcome to the end of 1 Thessalonians. Here we are, and we're going to start at verse 12 in chapter 5. And we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Be at peace among yourselves. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly, comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, be patient with all. See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good both for yourselves and for all. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the Spirit, do not despise prophecies, test all things. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Now, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. Brethren, pray for us. Greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read to all the holy brethren. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Let's stop there and pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the truth of Scripture. Thank you for an amazing time, Lord, where we could just safely worship you, God. We choose now to worship you with our minds, Lord, and study your word. God, we wish to see Jesus more clearly, so help us fill this place, Holy Spirit, with a clear understanding of your truth. Help us to be inspired and to apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So like I said, if you're just joining us, we're wrapping up 1 Thessalonians. We've been going through book by book, verse by verse, the last couple of weeks have been a, some really cool stuff. We've been learning, we learned about rapture, tribulation, Jesus coming again. And what we take from those topics is believer, while we're waiting for Christ, we're to occupy, invest in relationships. Man, make the most of every opportunity that you have. Positively influence all your loved ones. Man, this community. Build the community for Christ. As you saw tonight, we have some expectations. We have some to-dos. Some pro-tips, if you will. And you know what? As I was thinking about how Paul is like, like giving out all these pro-tips, you guys that have been with me a little bit, you kind of know my mind goes a little funky sometimes. And I was thinking about that movie Elf. Elf remember Buddy Elf? One of my favorite parts, he's getting ready to go to New York City and meet his dad, and Santa says, he goes, Santa says, buddy, there's some things you should know. He gives him a pro tip. First, here's the tip. If you see gum on the street, buddy, leave it there. It's not free candy. I love pro tips. Paul is kind of leaving us with some pro tips, saying, guys, this is the will of God. Here's what you guys should be doing. What he does in our scripture tonight is he, he has this like message for the church. Remember, he's writing to the Thessalonians. He says, this is how I want you to relate to your pastors and your leaders, guys, okay? You're, this is what I want you to do. Then he says, this is how I want you guys to like relate and handle each other. And then he goes, this is how I want you guys to relate and worship God the last chunk of verses that we read were his conclusion That's is classic Paul as he's leaving his final greetings so let's talk about this this treatment of pastors okay he says in verse 12 and we urge you brethren to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you it says brethren the body of believers remember we're we're reading someone else's email someone else's letters and he wrote this to the Thessalonians and I have some pictures of what Thessalon. this is Thessaloniki doesn't it look like some like cool place you'd want to go vacation I'm sure this is exactly what it looked like for Paul those evening uh, cruises for him no his were like shipwrecks and stuff like that nice dining he probably just had some like falafel or something back then and let's see, is there one more? No, that was it. So I just wanted you to see, this is a real place. It has been a real place. You guys can go visit it. It's a cool place out in Greece. So he's telling them, hey, church, you guys are still pretty young, so here's some basics. I want you to honor those leaders who work so hard for you, that, you, that have been given um, this responsibility of urging and guiding you guys along. He says, man, overwhelm these guys with your with your appreciation and love. Now, these leaders um, were selected by some of Paul's criteria. The, we, we have a criteria for a selection of overseers, bishops, or deacons, deacons or servants, in 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1. I'm not going to go into all those, so you can read 1 Timothy 3 on your own or Titus 1, so you can see the criteria that churches are supposed to select. They're, they're pastors and leaders. Now, he identifies these people as people that labor among you. He's saying that these leaders are recognized not by their title, but by their service. And I, I just want to add that it, it is by their service. There's no room for lazy pastors in the church. There just isn't. Like, we don't have time for guys like that. So we need hard workers. <laughs> you know, I'm not saying that it's all about just working hard, but gosh, there's so much going on. We need people engaged, engaged. I mean, gosh, that's what tonight's all about. Engaging with the church, engaging with the Lord, engaging with the church, uh, your fellow church member, your, your brother and sister in the faith, engaging with your leaders. He's saying that these guys should be recognized by their service. Years ago, when I sat down with Pastor Ed, um, I, I wasn't working here, I, I was attending church and I just got out of seminary and, and I just met with him because I just needed some guidance. And so I told him, I go, uh, Pastor Ed, I, I need someone to teach me pastoral care and ministry. And he asked me, what do you think that is? I said, well, it's gotta be more than what you're doing Sunday morning. And he looked at me and he says, "You'd be surprised how many people don't get that. They think that you just like work an hour." <laughs> My God, like, uh, no! I knew it. It had to have been more. Well, he says, "Those who are over you in the Lord, this is not to be a dictatorship, okay? It's not to be a dictatorship, but a way of lovingly and authoritatively teaching God's word to the people." Some of the people that I oversee or sitting in the audience, and they've heard that I've made a joke before. It's not a dictatorship, but it's, I joke when we're getting ready to solve a problem or manage through something, I go, guys, you guys are confusing this with the democracy. It's more of a dictatorship. <laughs> I, I own up to it, and I, I'm telling you, I'm just being sarcastic. I'm, <laughs> I'm looking at him. Up. It's so, I, I, I was like, wow, I gotta stop saying that in public when it's live livestream and archived forever on the internet. <laughs> Pastoral leadership. Um, one of the coolest things that I ever learned about in seminary, one of the, like, just world-changing, worldview, paradigm-shifting ideas that I had ever learned, it's this topic called servant leadership. And I learned about it way back in the day. I thought it was amazing. I feel like now business schools are starting to really, uh, it's a popular subject in business schools. Whenever I hear uh, Harvard Business Review or Wharton, they they have classes and thoughts and lectures on on servant leadership, but they didn't invent that. That wasn't just some modern-day business philosophy. Jesus did. He modeled it and showed it. What should come to mind is this, this foot washing. He modeled servant leadership. Think of it this way. He taught the disciples everything they needed to know. He, he taught them everything. He um, showed them like crazy miracles so their faith could be strengthened. He put them through, through tests himself. He did everything to them. And when they got hungry, he just manifested food for them. I mean, he did everything for them. And you know what else he did for the church is he died for us, rose again. You know what else he's done? He's given us his Holy Spirit. The Lord has done everything to make us successful. And that's this idea of servant leadership. And that has to be like a key thing for pastors. They should be recognized by their service, not just by their stinking title, okay? Okay, and he says that they'll admonish you. Uh, admonishment, it's just a, like uh, a caution, uh, a, a gentle reprove, warning someone of something to be avoided. Sometimes in pastoral care, there's times where, You'll see uh, them come alongside and just gently warn or like nudge people into the right direction. That's probably the best way I can describe uh, admonishing. Verse 13, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Be at peace among yourselves. And he talks about, hey, they should be shown respect, wholehearted love because of their work. Agape them, agape them. You know, I got to be honest, it's so awkward talking about how you should treat a pastor, being a pastor right in front of you. It is awkward. But I'll tell you, you want to really bless church leadership? I'm serious, you really want to bless them. It's not going to be money or vacation houses or any crazy stuff like that. I mean this. You could talk to any one of the pastors, pray. Pray for us. Our spouses, our kids, our families. Pray for the church and the ministries we serve in. I, to use a strong word, I covet and strongly desire those prayers. And so does Ed and Bob and Greg and Jeff and Jason and every, we, we want those prayers. That is like the best possible gift. Bring heaven down into our, our families' lives and whatnot. Live at peace for, with one another, okay? The last part of that little verse. Live at peace. Hey, do you guys remember that part in 1 Thessalonians 4, 11? Where he says, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life and mind your business. <laughs> That's what comes to mind when I think of that. Mind your own business. I love it. Stay out of the cheese, man. Live at peace with one another. Okay, so just to wrap up this little first section about relating to or engaging your church leadership. There's nothing wrong with honoring faithful servants of God so long as God gets the glory. God needs to get the glory. Keep him the focus, keep him the focus. He's given us uh, leaders, he should be thanked and honored above all, the Lord. Okay, let's talk about engaging others, engaging the church. Verse 14, now we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly, comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, be patient with all. That word to exhort, to tell someone what they must do, without sharpness or a critical spirit. It's not a rebuke. It's not condemnation. But it's not really a suggestion either. It's, it's, you're exhorting them. You're encouraging them to do something, okay? Again, he says, brethren, note this. We talked about what uh, like pastoral leadership is supposed to be doing. But it says the brethren do this. It's not the job of the pastor to come around and make sure they exhort every single person. It's the job of the church, the body of believers. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, this message is for you. I, it's for the entire body to apply these truths. I hope you guys are inspired on Sunday, but it doesn't matter if you're not impl- appliers on Monday. So get inspired. Get like your soul, your heart pricked and moved and just like, man, I'm so excited. And then apply these truths on Monday, okay? So it's for the brethren, for the body. Warn those who are unruly, okay? Warn those who are unruly. Other translations use this word, undisciplined. And it's, it means careless or out of line. One commentator suggests that it's that it's uh there's this idea of a soldier who steps out of line and needs to get brought back into line okay okay so where's the line it's not just your own opinion (laughs) it's not just you know this made me feel when so-and-so said this i just felt i don't i don't care (laughs) it's that's not the line here's the line it's talking about biblical things here's the line But no, they made me feel, oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) Here's a hug. But this is the line. When they're stepping out of bounds biblically, biblically. And he doesn't say strongly rebuke, scorn them, uh, shun them. He's not saying that stuff. He's saying, like, hey, Kind of bring him back in the line. Nudge him. Hey, come on over here. This is how we should do it. He's kind of activating like the immune system of the church. And I think of Matthew 18. You know, when, when someone sins against you, how you should act. It's, you know, the Bible gives us this, this immune system for the church. It's really out of love, out of love that we connect with, confront another believer who's out of line. And I think before you start running to, we start running, not just you, but before we start running to all our friends to talk about it, prayerfully consider it, prayerfully consider it. And know this, no one cares how much you know till, they'll, till they know how much you care. Which means, if you're gonna nudge someone back in line, y'all better have a relationship with them or I'll be prepared for some dude or some sassiness back. You have to. You have to have relationship. That's what this is all about, how to have relationship with the pastors, how to have relationship with each other's, what to do through your relationship with, uh, to the Lord. This is all about relationship. So if you're getting ready to exhort someone, you should have relationship. If you're getting ready to nudge someone back in line, you should have relationship. Because no one, no one cares how much you know till they know how much you care. Comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, be patient with all. Okay, faint-hearted, faint-hearted. It refers to someone who's timid, discouraged. I've seen some commentators, they said like, it means little-souled or small-souled. But I like that idea of timid or discouraged. We must teach these folks, encourage these folks, that whatever they're kind of enduring at this time, Man, it, it's, it's hard to tell people, like, hey, it's going to be okay. But what we're, we're called to do in this comforting is actually to help them, strengthen them, build them up. We've heard this comfort thing a few times. So if you know someone who might be struggling a bit, might be discouraged a bit, build them up. Build them up. Well, how, how do I do that? I like to figure out, come to a point in my problem where I realize the circumstance isn't going to last forever. It's like you have to remember that this side of eternity is temporary. Remember like the, that eternity rope that I brought in uh, a month ago? It's like, here's like how much we actually live and then the rest of the rope that was going to the back room, that's like a symbol of eternity. Our circumstances on this side of eternity, on earth, they are temporary. Even Even if they last till the end of your physical life, they're still temporary. Because there is eternity with the Lord. Another practice is to remember the thousands and thousands of promises that God's Bible, His Word, makes to us. That's one way to kind of snap out of it. Notice I'm not talking about positive thinking. I'm saying positively think that God, he's made promises to you to love you, to cherish you, to protect you, to be with you wherever you go. Like God's made these promises. So let's come alongside people and actively encourage them and comfort them who are struggling a bit. And that's kind of what um, uphold the weak is. A better translation is take hold. Take hold of those weaker believers and help them walk and stand. Give them the support that they might need. And be patient with all. Ooh, that's the hard one for me sometimes. Be patient with all. Calmly endure while people are going through all their successes and their lows. Just because they don't take your advice that very first time is be patient with them chill out enjoy that journey with them as they're trying to understand these truths of scripture as they're trying to make sense of uh, the tragedy that might be around them just be patient be cool lovingly support them maybe all you have to do is just to show up and and be a listening ear Sometimes people want to know like, "Oh, how do you do crisis counseling when you go out to a, like like a house where someone needs you?" Pretty simple. Show up and shut up. <laughs> and just listen and pray with people. That's it. That's all you have to do. You don't have to give like a full-on dissertation to them. People just need an ear sometimes. And you got to be patient. Got to be patient. And I like that. Paul's not saying, "Hey guys, this is a good idea." He's saying, "Do this." It's a command. Be patient with all, everyone. Patience aims at every target. Show compassion without compromise. Our next verse, verse 15. See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good for both yourselves and for all. Given that it's President's uh, Day tomorrow, I wanted to show a quotation. I wanted to share a quote from President Lincoln. In this verse, see that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good both for yourselves and for all. He actually said once Do I not destroy my enemies when I make them my friends? What an awesome quote. Do I not destroy my enemies? when I make them my friends. Good old Honest Abe shared that. The Bible also says, never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Never take your own revenge, beloved But leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not become, excuse me, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That passage of scripture was from Romans 12, 17 through 21. Okay, so we've talked about relating to church leadership. We've talked about relating to each other. Now, let's talk about uh, relating to the Lord, okay? Now we're going to go through this verse, uh, we'll go through it verse by verse, but I want to just kind of give you uh, the, the whole thing. So guys, if you guys would show verse 16 and keep it there, I'm actually going to go through the next couple of verses. So in his, how he relates, how we're to relate to God, uh, verse 16, he talks about, he says this statement, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Okay, let's look at verse 16. Rejoice always. Thanks, guys. It doesn't say groan, grumble, and complain always, because I've met some people or man, it's like they're only happy when they're complaining. It doesn't say that. Not to say that God can't take your complaints. You're, I need to figure this stuff out before I say it. Pray to God. He says rejoice always. What on earth does it mean to rejoice always? It says, uh, the Amplified Version says, Rejoice and be glad-hearted, continually. Remember, we're reading first century, a first-century letter written to a, a church. This church, the Thessalonians, they were going through suffering and persecution. But they had such killer attitudes about it all that it was actually going uh, around the regions about how, how they glorified God, how strong their faith was. These guys endured suffering, but they were still rejoicing to the Lord. Rejoice always. We're commanded to be joyful. How do I do that? Good question. It's a choice, a deliberate response that focuses on the grace and goodness of God. It's a choice. A deliberate response that focuses on the grace and goodness of God. Do you think the only way to solve a problem is to focus just on the problem? Or to look for answers, right? Who better to seek answers from than God? He knows everything. He's all powerful. The writer of Hebrews directed us this way. He says, let us fix our eyes. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm going to turn my mic off for just a second. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men. Here's why we do that. So that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Keep focused on Jesus. That was from Hebrews 12. Keep your eyes focused on Jesus. If you're training yourself, disciplining yourself to keep your eyes focused on Jesus, praying to him, drawing strength from him, keep communing with him through his word, through prayer, through fellowship in the church, having other people, man, we will not grow weary or lose heart. We can always rejoice, Christian, because our joy is not based on circumstances. Our joy is not based on circumstances, but in God. Our circumstances change, but God does not. We're specifically using the word joy, not happy. Happiness comes and goes with happenstances. Joy, we keep we keep focused on the Lord and what he's got going on. We choose to focus on him. Okay. Pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Ceasing. This is not a command. It's not a command about nonstop prayer talk, okay? It's like where you have to sit there 24 hours a day uttering Utterances to the Lord. That's not what Paul is saying. What he is saying is continuing this attitude or reverence before God, continuing this attitude or reverence, this deep respect for the Lord, keeping open communication with the Lord. I don't know how am I supposed to do that. Well, you're some of you are texting right now, talking with a friend, and that's okay. You're keeping open communication. Do that with the Lord. Keep the conversation going. Keep the conversation going. Oh my gosh, you should have seen how many heads just looked up in a little bit of fear. Sorry, sorry, again. That's why we get to enjoy Sunday nights. I love it. The p- prayer is powerful. The, mo- the, the basic definition, okay, simple. Talking to God. It's not all about this meditation and passive reflection no it's just directly addressing the lord it's directly addressing the lord it can be audible it can be silent it can be private it can be long or short i've been accused of when my family's really hungry to make long prayers even though i'm just like lord thank you for this food but apparently it's like for an eternity pray keep open communication with the lord pray when you're jazzed when you're pumped when you're down pray 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 Philippians 4, 6 says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank him for all he's done. Then the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds. So don't have to worry. Pray about everything with thanksgiving. And it's like God sets up these defenses around your heart and your mind, and he filters out all the lies that Satan's been throwing at you. You're going through a stressful time. You're going through where you're worried and don't know how it's going to work out. Talk to God. He literally knows everything, He knows how it's going to work out. He knows what He's going to do through this trial or experience to build you up and draw you closer to Him. It's crazy how much God knows. Pray, pray, pray. Verse 18. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. What was that first word? In everything. Not for everything. In everything, give thanks to the Lord. Why is that such a big one to emphasize? Because when I'm going through like crazy stuff, I'm not always saying, thank you, Lord, for the stress of this crazy, chaotic, tragic situation. No, I don't do that. But... In the situation, I am, thank you, God, that you're absolutely powerfully in control and that you love me and love my kid and love my wife and my friend who's going through something. In the situation, I'm very thankful for the Lord's presence. For it, not so much. (laughs) I'm just being really honest with you guys. We can constantly, constantly give him thanks in these situations, We can rejoice, always knowing that God is working something out in our lives. Okay, 19 through 22. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, test all things, hold fast what is good and abstain from every form of evil. Don't suppress the spirit, don't stifle those who have a word from the master. Don't be gullible, (laughs) He's not telling us to be gullible, but check out everything. Keep what's good and throw out anything that's tainted. Don't quench, don't suppress the Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit in our lives. Don't quench the Spirit. How do you quench a fire? Well, you throw water on it, right? All my firemen friends in the room, you throw water at it. Don't stifle, don't, don't quench it. How do we quench it? Well, what if we were to not be, not choose joy, not choose to trust the Lord? Always take matters into our own hands. We always leaned on our own understanding and not acknowledging the Lord. What if we did everything that's opposite of what God tells us to do? Well, you can pretty much quench the Spirit. I'm gonna, are you saying that you're limiting the Holy Spirit's power? No, what I'm saying is there's times where we can be total knuckleheads and not do what God's telling us to do we can quench the spirit. Don't despise prophecy. Don't scoff at them or treat them with content. Don't make light of it or make it worthless. Prophecy is like it's something spoken from the Lord. Could be something written from the Lord, like the Bible. Don't scoff at it. Don't despise it. Don't reject it. But he's also saying, don't be so gullible that you're not fact-checking. You guys, like the Bereans of old, you should just fact-check everything I'm saying. I hope that you guys go home and study more into the scripture. And feel free to let me know if I've got something wrong. I'm not above that. Write all your letters. My name is Greg O'Pean. I always wonder what he does when he hears us all make fun of him about that because I'm not the only one who does that, <laughs> like everybody does, poor Pastor Greg, we love him, and his great hair, okay, let's, uh, let's, okay, that's what I get for making a joke, I got all distracted, okay, so don't, don't neglect prophecy, don't neglect God's word, receive it, you know, if someone's out there preaching, fact check him. you have God's word, The Holy Spirit, okay, the Holy Spirit of God works through the Word of God to shape the child of God into the image of the Son of God. Took me a while to memorize it. The Holy Spirit of God, right, takes the Word of God, right? He works that into the child of God to shape him into the image of the Son of God. So if the Holy Spirit's talking, he's not going to contradict God's word. He's not going to. That's how you can fact check. You can fact check them. Okay. Now may, let's wrap this up. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, we've talked about sanctification before. That's the shaping our lives on this side of eternity to look more like Jesus. We're justified. When we, when we trust in the Lord, we are justified. That means just as if you had never sinned, okay? Your sins are forgiven. It's just as if you'd never sinned. That's justification in a nutshell. Then, until you meet the Lord face-to-face on that side of eternity, you're going through a process of sanctification where God is using your life, shaping you, removing things, adding things to make you look more like his son, and that takes all of our lives. I don't care if you're a weak old Christian or an 80-year-old believer. We are being sanctified. And the God of peace himself is who's doing the work, okay? And he says, may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful and will do it. God is faithful. He does what he says he promises, he keeps all his promises. He is doing this work in our lives to build up, to give life to our spirit, to strengthen our minds and draw us closer to him, to, to preserve us, blameless. In Christ Jesus, we have forgiveness of our sins, okay? We have forgiveness of our sins. That doesn't mean you walk and you, you're never going to sin again. That's, no, we have this short account with the Lord because we have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. He died on the cross for our sins. He rose again, declaring victory over sin and death. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you make a mistake, and we make mistakes. Talk about that with the Lord. Confess it to him. He is faithful and just to forgive our sins, First John 1, 9 says. Okay, and then he says, brethren, pray for us. I told you, even the Apostle Paul says, you want to do something for me? Pray. 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 I told you, it's, it's biblical. Greet all brethren with a holy kiss, not me. I'll take a high five or a bro hug or a fist bump any day. And And what he's saying is that's their culture, just that's their culture, a holy kiss. Even when you... I've been told when you go to Europe, they give you like kisses on the cheeks. I've seen some families do that, you know. Hey, how's it going? Not my family. We're huggers. We're huggers. Unless you're around a grandmother, then she wants kisses on the lips. But I love her. She's an amazing woman. I love her. I'm not kidding. I do. Greet all brethren with a holy kiss, just not Pastor Rick. I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read. To all the holy brethren. He wanted this, le- this letter to be, that's what epistle means, letter, to be read to all the church. We're reading it together. We are following God's uh, commands. We teach verse by verse, book by book. That's what we do. We wanna share the word of God. We're so, we're just, we wanna stand on the word of God. Literally, I'm standing on God's word because in the foundation of this building, just down here, they put a Bible so that we would be standing on God's word while we're sharing God's word, right? Because the Holy Spirit of God works through the word of God to shape the child of God into the image of the Son of God. We take God's word seriously here. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. When you look at the beginning of 1 Thessalonians, Paul starts it out with grace. As he's finishing his letter, classic Paul. He's finishing it with grace. Every step of our Christian life is to be lived by grace. It is by grace that we're saved, through faith. Not of works, it's a gift. We can't work for it. Grace is God's free blessings, his free gifts that we don't deserve, but he gives it to us anyways. Grace, G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. It's a gift. What was the gift? For God so loved the world that he gave, grace, his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. God didn't send his son into the world to condemn or judge it harshly or guilty, no, he sent his son into the world that, that through Jesus, we would be saved by grace, through faith. See how it all wraps up? If you've never, re, if you've never said, Lord, I accept your free gift, because you have to accept it. You don't have to, it's your choice. If you've never chosen to receive that gift from the Lord and you'd like to know your sins are forgiven, we're gonna pray as we close tonight we'll pray with you. If you'd like to know where you'd spend eternity, we talked a lot about this side of eternity, there is the other side. If you'd like to know where you'll spend eternity, we'd like to pray with you too. So let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for the truth of your scripture. Thank you for the encouragement in this letter to the Thessalonians, Lord, and I'm excited to start 2 Thessalonians next week. Father, thank you for grace. Lord, I asked earlier that we wish to see a clearer picture of Jesus, Lord, and we have. He loves us. He died for us. He rose again for us. Thank you, God, for your son's sacrifice on the cross. Folks, while your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, if you'd like to invite the Lord into your life, we would like to pray with you. You could pray along with us out loud, or you can say it in the intimacy of your own heart. I get it. It's between you and the Lord. And it goes like this. Lord Jesus, I surrender. I give you my life. Please forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit so that I can serve you from this day forward. And all of God's uh, kids agreed by saying, Amen. Amen. Church, if no one's told you that they love you, gosh, I love you, church, but more importantly, God radically loves you. Well, God bless you guys. Good night.